You're listening to Canned Peaches from KBIA. I'm Nina Mukherjee Firstenoff. We're trekking through farms, forests, and faraway kitchens, exploring five ingredients. Come with us to discover how communities locally and globally are intertwined through food. I think we need another type of uh, uh, rice crispy, but what if they called it uh, waterfall crispies? Oh yeah. What if what if we added extra sugar to it? Like yeah. Those kids are part of Campfire Heartland in Kansas City. It's an organization that supports youth and helped invent Rice Krispie Treats. I got to make some with them, and for many of the kids, it was the first time they tried the classic dessert. The story of rice is a story of transformation. Rice can start out in the fields and street foods in the India of my memories and end up as a breakfast cereal, and eventually as Rice Krispie Treats, creating a place for themselves in our collective childhood memories. Producer Yasha Mikowachuk is joining us in the studio. They reported on this episode. Hey, Nina. So, okay, rice has been around for millennia. There are so many directions we could go with this. And we've been all over the state looking at rice in its different stages. But I'm curious, what made you want to look into Rice Krispies? I was obsessed with them in grade school. Growing up visiting India, our family's home was surrounded by rice fields. I was so fascinated by how rice got from those fields to crackling in my cereal bowl in Missouri. Mm-hmm. And Rice Krispie treats are just an extension of that and our culture. I really just wanted to connect the dots on the transformational aspect of it all. What did you really remember when you were eating Rice Krispie treats in grade school? Well, I remember reading the back of a cereal box, actually. <laughs> <laughs> and being fascinated with whatever was going on on the cardboard. Uh, but the treat itself was something, you know, biting into and pulling it away from your lips and having that slightly sticky feeling. Plus, it was sweet. Did your hands ever get too sticky? Like, were you one of those oh, kids who, yeah. like, you were like, ooh, gross. Well, I don't or... know if I was grossed out by it. <laughs> I kind of thought that was awesome. You, you know? thought it was cool? <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I would say with all the research I've done for, for rice in here, I've still never had a Rice Krispie treat in my life. I've had Rice Krispie cereal and, like, everything along those lines, but I haven't had the Rice Krispie treats of so many people's childhood. Oh, my goodness. Well, we, we have to correct that. Yeah. Man, I got to get on that. So, all right. Let's go back to the beginning. I know rice likely originated in Asia thousands of years ago. So how did the crop get here to the United States? Well, archaeologists have found rice grains in sites dating back to 7,000 B.C. and older in some studies in the lower and middle Yangtze River Valley of China. But rice wasn't used in the U.S. until the 1600s. It was such a popular crop that it came here in a bunch of ways. We see rice coming through the Carolinas in the 1600s as a part of the slave trade, and the people who were enslaved with rice-growing knowledge were in demand as they made more and more planters rich with the crop. When the Ojibwe community arrived to what is now Minnesota in the 1600s, they relied on the wild rice native to North America, which is a complete different species. So when did rice become an actual industry here? Rice took off commercially from the 1720s to 1860 when no other commodity was remotely as important to the region, the Low Country, as rice produced by manual forced labor. Uh, Favorite foods emerged from the scraps of the process, like grits. Uh, Before they were made from corn, grits were originally made from the tiny bits of rice that were byproduct of rice processing. 
Then, in the late 19th and early 20th century, when rice mills and dryers became much larger, rice continued on its rise in diets. Arkansas and Missouri are some of the largest producers in the country because they're in the Mississippi River floodplain. All right, but didn't rice cereal become a thing before that? Yes. An early version of granola designed to be soaked in milk was made in 1863. And then cereals like cornflakes, puffed wheat, and rice cereal started showing up in the early 1900s. But... Before we get to Rice Krispies, we have to talk about the food shot from guns. (laughs) What was that? (laughs) Oh, well, botanist Alexander P. Anderson invented puffed cereal in 1901. At the time, he was working at the New York Botanical Garden. He was trying to figure out how much moisture was in a piece of starch by heating it up in a sealed glass tube. And then he started experimenting with grains. So wait. How does that work? So a puffing gun is really any sealed container. It has to be heated up and continually rotate with the grain inside. This allows the pressure to build. When you then release that pressure, the water within the grain is heated. That heated water turns to steam, and that steam is released and expands the grain into a puff. The technology is like popcorn, but most grains aren't strong enough to stay intact after being puffed. But in complete Honesty, people weren't all that excited about any of it, puffed anything, until Alexander Anderson demonstrated his puffing gun at the 1904 World's Fair in St. Louis. It caught the eye of the Quaker Oats Corporation, and they started marketing as food shot from guns. But they're not actually shot from a gun, right? What does it even look like? Unfortunately, rice is not used as ammo, and there is no super cool rice shooting pistol. There is a puffing machine, though, at the Museum of Food and Drink in Brooklyn. The museum gave the public a demonstration in 2013 at New York City's Summer Streets Festival. Five, four, three, two, one! Okay, now that I'm watching this video, it looks like a giant mesh cage, and the grain explodes from the ceiling. Yeah, the actual puffing mechanism is on the roof of the cage. Someone has to be on top to release the pressure. The cage catches the grain. Can Peaches producer Lauren Hines Acosta spoke with Dave Arnold about this machine. He's the founder of the Museum of Food and Drink. Let's listen to another conversation. So, yeah. You wait for it. It comes up around. As it's coming up around, you turn off the motor and you engage the brake and you point the door down. Then you take the, a big pipe and you go like it's like the it's like a super heavy baseball bat. You know, it's about yay long. And you go bang and you hit this little like arm and that trips the door open. The door immediately goes like swings open and boom. And then, like, it comes out in, like, a a big cone of puff cereal. So you have to have something to catch it. Otherwise, it just goes everywhere. And it makes this big concussive, awesome concussive force. How does puffed rice connect people, if at all? I think what's interesting about um, ready-to-eat breakfast cereal in general, right, is that it's one of those things that you can't help but be exposed to in the United States. We all have this thing in our background, even if we don't like it. You know what I mean? Uh, you know, some of us, like what we remember about it is our parents wouldn't let us have the sugary breakfast cereals or they would let us have it. You know what I mean? So there's this thing that we 
kind of all share. And it came to prominence as part of a health fad and then became one of the early food advertising behemoths that was advertised towards kids. So it's just got a bunch of layers of meaning for us here in America. Yeah, it seems breakfast cereal is a big part of childhood here in the United States. It was a happy routine for me, that's for sure. You, uh, do you have any memorable breakfast cereals, or was Rice Krispies one of your breakfast cereals? You know, I think it might have been from time to time. My mother never got us sugared cereals, oh, so yeah. uh, that was a good compromise for her. It was, <laughs> it was still fun food for kids, you know, because of the, the crackle. Snap, yeah, snap crackle. Mm-hmm. I know for me personally, I, again, as I mentioned before, I never had Rice Krispie treats. I can only imagine having that crackle and pop within your teeth. It's like the Pop Rocks candy, but you got, you got, you got rice. <laughs> Well, that's a good comparison. It's. I would say the difference is the pop rocks more sizzle and the, the rice doesn't. That, it sounds like to me you know your rice krispies. <laughs> I, I try. Listen, I try, I try to be a connoisseur of okay. sorts. <laughs> but one thing to keep in mind is that puffed rice and crispy rice are very different. Puffed rice is just the grain itself puffed. It's very plain and styrofoamy. When I was a kid, um, and still now, my parents will send me like packages of this puffed rice. Uh, it was like a snack back. Uh, they're from Poland, and I'm Polish, so we had the snack, and it would just kind of like, not necessarily crunch, but kind of just deflate in, in between your teeth, and it's it's a lot more. I think styrofoamy is a good word for it. I think, while crispy rice is a rice-based dough that is baked and puffed, that's where you really get that uh, like that crackle that that big crunch that everyone really remembers from eating the Rice Krispie treats. So you're not actually eating individual grains of rice when you eat the crispy rice cereal. But yeah, Kellogg's came out with Rice Krispies in 1928. That's 24 years after Alexander's demonstration at the St. Louis World's Fair. I really wanted to see how crispy rice is made. So we went to Glister Mary Lee, which is a food manufacturer in McBride, Missouri, and they make affordable store brand products from pie crust to crispy rice cereal. President Tom Welge and Assistant Plant Superintendent Danny Bonert gave us a tour. It was so hot and very loud, but you were having the best time. (laughs) Six hours. It takes a grain of rice to get through this process. It's right. You can really feel the difference. Very warm. And also just a little, well, it's crisp. It's crisp. It's crisp. <laughs> I love it. Thank you. Can I, can I taste it? Yep. Okay. Mm. Pretty crunchy. <laughs> Compared to that room, yeah. it's like calm cool. in here. Yeah. And cool. Yeah. I think any place that makes pie crust is like really a happy place. <laughs> be happy about when pie crusts come off a line. I mean, just waiting for that filling, you know? So here's fresh marshmallows and fresh crisp rice for you. Oh my God. So, um, Thank you so much. We sell um, a couple of restaurant customers crisp rice and marshmallows, and there's a restaurant chain uh, focused on pasta. They have these brick size uh, Rice Krispie Treats as a dessert that they sell. It's one of their best items, so we provide them the crisp rice and the marshmallows, and they make the treats there. Who's that? Oh, uh, can't tell you. <laughs> <laughs> so 
So I'm just sad that I don't get to make them with you. Oh, and you. Uh, <laughs> I don't, I've never made them. Really? Oh, so. Danny. After all this time, <laughs> 30 years on this plant, you've never made For a the nice record, crispy Danny. treat. He gets judged on a lot of things, but his, his, uh, that's not one of them, probably. I think we do feel good about the stuff that we do here because we're, we're providing lower cost alternatives to consumers and still have a high quality. I think uh, we became aware how important our business was during the pandemic and because these were the kind of staples that people were relying on to fill their pantries when they weren't going out to restaurants or other food service channels. We sold a lot of cereal, a lot of mac and cheese, pancake mix, comfort foods when we all needed comfort. Touring the factory was so much fun, and it was amazing seeing your reactions, Nina. Like, I thought we could take a moment right now to listen to our conversation when we were leaving the plant. I loved watching you. <laughs> I am such a nerd when it comes to this sort of the thing. The way you're walking out with, like, three be- boxes of crispy, four boxes, sorry. <laughs> the one you got hot off the press. Too. I know. I mean, I'm telling you, this is valuable commodity here. There you go. And you got marshmallows, too. Ooh. Well, that was sweet of them, literally. Yeah, it's, like, <laughs> it's a whole like DIY making yourself. I know. Very exciting. What was your favorite part of it? Oh. You know, I really enjoy seeing the different stages and the sounds and the textures and feeling the warm uh, crisp rice in my hand and and the smell of that factory. It smelled awesome. Didn't it make you just want to have breakfast? <laughs> You're listening to Canned Peaches, and we're excited to introduce you to our sponsor, Greenleaf Solar, the local solar installation company. Greenleaf Solar is your trusted partner in the quest to lower your carbon footprint and trim those electrical expenses, catering to both residents and businesses. The best part, they offer complimentary consultations and a 10-year done-right guarantee on all installs. To embark on the journey towards a cleaner, more affordable energy future, Google Greenleaf Solar. Let Greenleaf Solar guide you in making a meaningful impact today. When we had that second handful of rice, I got pulled all the way back to my sleepaway camp where we used to have these little plastic tubs of cereal. There was like Honeygram toasters and Fruity Loops, like the off-brand stuff. And then specifically, there was one that was literally just Rice Krispies. And I just got major flashbacks to it. What's funny is I don't even eat Rice Krispies cereal all that often, but it still has this tactile memory. I think of a lot of people um, that I know would have that same tactile memory. They've had Rice Krispies cereal or crispy rice cereal sometime in their life and maybe in childhood. It takes you right there. Yeah, exactly. And Rice Krispies and Rice Krispie treats seem to be sort of a traditional recipe, and many people have their own spin on it. Scotcheroos are a Midwestern chocolatey version. Others add sprinkles. But the basic recipe of Rice Krispie treats includes butter, rice cereal, and marshmallows. But it's actually based off an older recipe that uses puffed wheat and molasses. That's interesting. I wanted to learn more about the history of crispy rice treats, so we sent producer Lauren Hines-Acosta to talk with Suzanne Corbett. She's a food historian based in St. Louis. It's all about tradition again. It, 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 it connects 
generations, particularly if it's an older recipe like Rice Krispies, it's something we all can remember having for the first time, perhaps. It's it's when when whenever you have a recipe like a, a Rice Krispie, it's something that food in general should should make you smile, feel good, feel satisfied. And it's those experiences shared. And I think that's what a recipe like a Rice Krispie does. And it's a recipe and a food that bridges generations of shared experiences that you can enjoy in the now. And that's what makes food history fabulous. Yeah. What Do you remember the first time you had a Rice Krispie treat? I think I do. It was at a um, church event, if I recall. It was like one of those vacation Bible school things. And and uh, it was one of those treats that came in in the 9 by 13 aluminum pants. And uh, I never saw anything like it before in my life. I never knew anything about marshmallow cream. And uh, just remember that it was delightfully sticky and sweet and had that little gooeyness to it when you pulled it apart and you could enjoy it in the summertime and you didn't have to worry about it melting or or anything like that and it was just a delight oh yes oh my gosh I think I remember like the first time I had some I think it was either my mom or my grandma made it but it was like yeah it was like the rice crispy cereal and then uh-huh. it was like the marshmallow. And then she did something with like melted butter on top of it that just made it like ten, like super good. And I feel like I've never been able to like match that again. <laughs> well, that's because you're missing a key ingredient, which is what I call grandma juice or mom's juice. You know, it's mm-hmm. through teaching cooking as I have through the years. I've discovered you can take a single recipe and give it to five people and you'll get five different things just because of the technique and touch and the tools you use to make it. It's all going to have its own little special twist to it. It'll be similar, almost identical, almost. No, that's so true. That's so it. Oh my gosh. It seems like I keep finding as I do these episodes, um, looking into this food it's really just people kind of rediscovering what's on their plates and reconnecting mm-hmm. to that food and the and the history that comes with it so to hear that is really just um fascinating i guess mm-hmm. well yeah. you can follow what's on your plate uh rice or whatever you have on your plate and find a link to to a people, to a tradition that is that connects you to the past that you can then use to help build a future on. And with food, that's particularly true because with rice or wheat or any crop that you have, the idea is to just not use that particular crop to feed yourself, but also to preserve it for the future for enjoyment for other generations, along with the traditions tied to that item. And rice has a myriad of traditions that you can embrace. 
Like I said at the beginning of this episode, I'm really interested in how we take food and transform it in so many ways. Not only in the place it grows, but in its form. But Nina, we still don't know. How did Rice Krispie Treats come about anyway? The recipe as we know it was developed by Mildred Day, who was a Kellogg's employee. And Campfire Heartland, the youth organization we learned about earlier, reached out to Kellogg's for fundraising ideas. So Mildred brought them the Rice Krispie Treat recipe to help the Campfire kids sell treats door to door. It's like uh, those Girl Scout cookies you can find, like the Savannah Smiles or the Thin Mints, but they're Rice Krispies. Like, I personally think that would be a great addition to their roster. Well, I think if a small person came up to me with Rice Krispie Treats, I would probably be very happy to get them. Get them by the dozen, you know. (laughs) Actually, any size person bringing me Rice Krispie (laughs) Treats would be just fine. So I wanted to try some. So producer Janet Saidi and I drove out there to make some Rice Krispies with the Campfire Kids, Erin Belleen and her husband Jonathan Overall. Erin is the executive director of Campfire Heartland. How was it? Was it, uh, did you think it went smoothly? I thought it went great. It was just so much fun. I can't wait to hear it. Okay, hi everybody. Are you guys ready to make Rice Krispie Treats? Yeah. Why did they call them Rice Krispie Treats? Do you have a name you'd like better? Uh, I don't know. I can't really think. I would say yummy. I would say yummy. It's all right. Yummy factory where they cooked the rice and made it crispy. So it is actually rice, but it's crisp. Oh, that's why you call it rice crispy treats. Yeah. This should be actually yummy treats, like because they're super yummy. Janet, there's an art to stirring these marshmallows. And I'm telling you, these folks at Campfire are expert stirrers. <laughs> Look at them go. stay on top of I'm going to have really strong biceps at the end of this. (laughs) (laughs) Who knew marshmallows took so much stirring? I mean, I didn't didn't remember that. (laughs) I promise we didn't freeze these last night. Hey, why doesn't, why don't actual Rice Krispie Treats have a sign that says campfire on it? And I have gloves. You should, you should do that. They should do that. Oh, my goodness, those kids are cute. Listen to those voices. <laughs> After we finished making Rice Krispie Treats, I got to talk more with Erin. She told me she has worked with farm workers and has done a lot with food equity. That's partly what led her to Campfire. That's yeah. really yeah. I think. I mean, I think it's just an essential piece of there's, there's, there's equity to it. Every kid gets a dinner, whether whether they would get a dinner at home or not get a dinner at home. Um, and we make sure that it's good food. The people that we partner um, with is called Total Man, and it's 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 handmade, warm, hot, really good, really good food. And that's just such a critical piece of. I love this idea of food equity with your programming. That's that's really a, it. Just takes it to another level when you when you think about it that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it doesn't, even without, I mean, without even programming around it, that's what food does, right? It does. It does. It creates an equal playing field. And, you know, 
when you're hungry, you're grumpy. <laughs> and so um, just making sure that, I mean, and it's more than just food. It's more than just eating. It's more than a full tummy. It's, it is being there with your friend or, you know, when we're providing the food, if, you know, I'll, you want that bun? Because I'll give you my, like, chocolate milk. You know, all of a sudden there's these interactions that happen with kids. around food. <laughs> skills are learned at the table. Um, but, yeah, just that sense of community and family and laughter that comes with just sitting at the table with somebody over a meal. Was it fun to have them here listening to all your stories about Campfire and Rice Krispie Treats? Yes. Yes. All right, I'm going to count to three, and we're going to say thank you. Ready? One, two, three. Thank you! Rice, like many foods we explore, changes based on culture and community. We change it. Together, the transformational power of food connects us to our past and our future. Canned Peaches is produced by Lauren Hines Acosta, Janet Saidi, and me, Nina mukherjee Firstenoff, with production help from Yasha Miko Wycheck and Alex Cox. The series is written by Lauren Hines Acosta and Janet Saidi. Our editor is Aaron Hay. Thanks to Yashomika Wycheck for co-hosting this episode with me. Can Peaches is a project of the Missouri News Network at the Missouri School of Journalism, Fox Magazine, Harvest Public Media, and KBIA. Our engagement and outreach team is led by Jessica Von Martin, Cassidy Arena, and Professor Kara Edgerson. Special thanks to Harvest Public Media's Maria Altman, Fox Magazine's Heather Isherwood, and the Missouri School of Journalism. Lee Hill's Chair in Free Press Studies, Professor Kathy Kiley. Canned Peaches is produced with support from the Missouri Humanities and the Missouri Humanities Trust Fund. On Canned Peaches, we're exploring how we're all connected through the food on our plates. For more episodes, go to kbia.org. And you can see more stories from Canned Peaches at foxmagazine.com. I'm Nina Mukherjee-Firstenau. Thanks for listening. See you next time. Okay, Yasha. Okay. I heard during this episode that you have never tasted a Rice Krispie treat, so your time has come. My time has come. Oh dear. Oh, this is this is okay. Okay. It's so big. <laughs> <laughs> I remember seeing like the packets that you would get like at the store and they're like Oh, this is different. Yeah, this, this is, is uh, this at least is two massive. inches thick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is huge. Okay. It's a lot squishier than I thought it would be. Soft, yeah, sticky. Well, I'm, I'm I have plastic wrap on it, so I don't get my hands sticky. But yes, very sticky. <laughs> All right. Oh, uh, okay. Oh my god! <laughs> First taste, everyone. I see why. I see why it's popular. <laughs> It's so it's so much sweeter than I thought it would be, and it kind of it kind of just tastes like vanilla frosting, which is really nice. We just couldn't let it stand that you had never tasted a Rice Krispie treat. Oh, this is free breakfast now too. Uh-huh. Like this uh-huh. is lo- this is lo- the crunch. Of, I I get I hear the crunch of the Rice Krispie, and then the way the like the flavor of the marshmallow kind of comes through. <laughs> I've been converted. I get it. I understand. It is really gooey too. It's That's gooey. super fun. Oh, I would have I would have had a blast with this as a kid. <laughs>
It's it's what I would call fun food. Right? Fun, absolutely, it's fun crunchy, food. little sweet, a little sticky. It I doesn't know. melt in the heat. That, I think that would be like the biggest like plus of it, the fact that it doesn't melt. Because when, when you have ice cream and it gets all over your hands, mm-hmm. this it just kind of like it's still like gooey, but it'll just go into your mouth and it'll just you just get to have the crunch and the marshmallow sits there. You see now, now you know the origin story here. We we've got the first taste, and that's always what. It's why we always are interested in food, right? It's exactly. because we like to eat it. No, I can't wait. I now want to try like the scotcheroos that like are like that people also know like with the chocolate on it. Oh man! And stuff like that. Like, imagine the flavor combinations you can make with this. Like this is just the baseline. Oh, this is the baseline. Just the baseline. We heard from some sources who added their fathers used to add strawberry preserve. That would be so good in this. There's some variations coming up here. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, that would be delicious. Right now you're having the classic.